I'm really excited. I get to talk uh, this morning. Um, so last week, Louise started, and this week, I get to finish um, a mini-series um, called uh, It's Just a Phase. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. Um, and I, I'm so excited because I get to speak about phase three and four, which are phases that I am um, so passionate and excited about. Um, phase three and four, um, phase three starts at 11 and phase four finishes at 18. So basically, youth ministry. Um, so I'm so excited that um, I get to speak about this phase because I, I feel so passionately um, about this phase and, and um, what God is doing in young people who are inside these phases. And so um, just as a little recap from last week, you'll remember that the definition of a phase, so right, we'll, we'll put it on the screen in case you can't remember, but the definition of a phase uh, as we speak about it is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinct opportunities to influence their future. So often when we hear the phrase, it's just a phase, we think it's just a phase and they will get through it. It's just a phase and it'll be over soon. But actually, um, you're, the, the young people in our world are only 15 once. And there's some things going on for a 15-year-old that never happen again. Um, and if we just think, oh, gosh, like, let's just get through it, please. Like, 16 is coming, 17 is coming, 18 is coming, they'll be adults soon. Then we're missing an opportunity um, and, and we're missing this idea of um, God uh, seeing these young people um, in the moment that they're in and considering them to be fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. And so um, I'm, I'm super excited. So uh, a lot of the information that I'm talking about this morning comes from um, an amazing book. And I was going to say that I read so you don't have to, but really it's that I read so you get excited to want to. Um, it's such a great book and truly Louise and I are just scraping the surface of it. But basically um, it's an incredible book um, put together by um, some pastors. So it's a Christian book, and they, um, they just got a whole bunch of information from, um, from teachers to psychologists to pastors to youth pastors to, uh, to parents, and they got all this information together and said, what is it about this generation? What are, is it about this age um, that we can do uh, to empower them um, and to um, encourage them and see them grow in their faith? So Louise covered the first two phases. So phase one, um, just briefly, I'm not the best... To be fair, I'm not the best at the young... I was, when Louise was talking last week, I was like, whoa, this is all such interesting information. Um, so phase one uh, is birth until... I have to look. Birth until four years old. And they're motivated uh, most by safety. And so um, the sort of phrase for that is that we need to embrace their physical needs. And as we do that, we show them uh, God's love. Uh, in phase two is um, about engaging their interest. Um, and they are primarily motivated by fun. This age is pretty fun, pretty cool, actually. Um, it's pro- Yeah, I was going to say it's... Nah, don't worry. That's, that is a great age. So it is to engage, uh, engage with these uh, children, these young people, um, they're in their interest because they're primarily motivated by fun. So this morning we're going to look at um, the next two phases, which is affirm and mobilise. And so um, it is to affirm their personal journey in phase three and to mobilise their potential in phase four. I know for sure that God has a plan for each of these phases um, and that we all have a role to play in what God wants to do in these. So if you look at that and you think this is been a bit of a tough two weeks because I don't have any children in these age groups. Can I tell you that people who have children in these age groups want and need your help? 
Um, that this isn't um, just a job just for parents, but it's a job for our community and our tribe to do, our family of Christ to do in unity together, Um, especially as young people grow into phase three and four, um, because we'll see later on that the uh, positional influence of parents goes down and relational goes up, and they need a lot of help in that space. So I'm going to read a scripture from Deuteronomy that says this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And these commandments I give to you today, and these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When um, Kim Smith was here a couple of weeks ago, she read this scripture to us and she, um, she pointed out, and I just loved, that at the start of verse 7, it says, impress them upon your children. And I, like her, when I hear that word, I often think like, of impressing them is like, give them to them and do our best to just, like, a, I don't know, for me, it gives this sort of action of this, like, just, and I want you to understand, right? But actually, um, the word could be translated to be um, sharpen, or prepare, and is often used when we're speak, when, um, speaking about preparing a sword for battle. And so actually what this scripture is saying is that we need to prepare our young people, prepare the next generation to be battle ready, to be ready to have faith in a world that is largely secular, to be ready to uh, stand up for Christ in a space where it may be difficult to do so. And so when it says to um, impress them on your children is to prepare them for what is ahead. Talk about faith with them, teach them, love them, show them. And as a family of God, that is our responsibility. So um, we're, gonna, we're not this morning going to dive deep into like an exegesis of Revelation 5 and um, just really get our heads around some deep theological ideas. We're just not. And so maybe for some of you, like, I wish there was more scripture and this was a bit more, but can I tell you that this is so important, these concepts and these ideas and how we uh, frame our churches and our ministries and our thinking around young people is not only important to our church, but the church and God's mission on earth. And so, um, sorry if it's not spiritual enough for you this morning, but I've got to tell you, understanding the young people in your space is just going to change their life and, and the the landscape of the church in Australia forever. So um, the, the first phase we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to look at is phase three. And so phase three is called affirm. Affirm their personal journey. Because can I tell you, pe- young people who are in phase three are on one heck of a journey. Phase three is um, like your grade six, seven, eights. So like 11, 12, 13. If you have a young person who is those ages, you already know it's a bit of a time. There's a lot going on. You're going from, uh, phase three is just crazy changes for such a small person to be dealing with. You go from grade six into year seven, that's a lot. Uh, a time of crazy transition. Uh, it sees the start of puberty, probably some door slamming. There will definitely be raging hormones. There will be drama and probably tears from both parents and young people. The grocery bill in the house that has young people in this phase will probably double. Come on, anyone, like teenage boys in this phase, probably, honestly, from like 11 to like 19, how big is your grocery bill, yeah? Um, It's going to double, just through here. Mum and dad 
that thing that you did last month that was really cool is now actually the lamest thing that anyone has ever done and I wish you would stop, right? Uh, young people in this phase feel passionately about everything they set their mind to. Sometimes they've changed their mind tomorrow, but in that moment, they feel so passionately about that thing. It's a phase in a young person's life where they're learning social boundaries, uh, where they're learning rules for behaviour and how to interact with others. Parents, they are more likely to lie to you in this phase than any other phase because they are motivated um, by acceptance. They want to be understood. They have a unique blend of confidence but also insecurity. It's a lot. It is a heck of a lot and it hits full on like a hormonal ton of bricks. And young people in this phase, they think like an engineer. And so, um, what I, I'm not an engineer. Any engineers? I always feel nervous. I don't know an engineer. I don't think there is any. Uh, but uh, they think like an engineer in the sense that they're trying to connect uh, concepts together. They're trying to connect concepts and they're starting to understand how things work together, how um, people work together, how dynamics work together, how things go together. They're starting to understand. And they're asking questions like, well, who do I like? And actually, who likes me? And who am I? Who am I? What a huge question for an 11-year-old to be asking. Yeah. And God has a plan in all of this chaos. While all of this is happening, there is so much potential for a young person to encounter God and grow in their faith and be completely transformed. So young people, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. Anyone in this bracket want to just like own it? Be like, yeah, I'm a phase three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's your uh, grocery bill went? Pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Lots of pasta, lots of bread, yeah. Wheat bigs, how many do you do? Like 12, yep. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read um, a piece of scripture and I'm going to read it uh, from the message translation because, um, translation, interpretation. I'm going to read it from the message anyway because it makes great sense in the message and young people in the space this morning, I want you to hear it and understand it. So it's something that Paul writes to Timothy. Now, Timothy, it's a scripture that you'll know really well when I read it, <clears throat> but Timothy... Um, when we talk, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Timothy's probably not like super young when he says that. Actually, he's just younger than Paul. Um, but it still is a great encouragement for us. Um, so it says this, get the word out. Teach all these things. So he's been telling him about what he needs to do in the church. Teach all these things. And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Teach believers with your life. By word, by demeanour, by love, by faith, by integrity, stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching. And that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and use it. Cultivate all these things, immerse yourself in them, and the people will see you mature right before their eyes. Isn't that cool, church? That's what we get to be a part of, seeing young people mature right before our eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching and don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. So the first thing, young people, in phase three, I want you to know this morning is this. Take ownership of your own faith. 
Take ownership of your own faith. God loves you deeply and he wants relationship with you. Not just a relationship that's a byproduct of your parents' relationship with God. Not just a relationship that um, sort of is like super intellectual but none of the heart. God loves you deeply and wants a relationship with you. He wants to show you how he loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself and he will never, ever stop loving you. Never, ever. So take ownership and like Paul encourages Timothy, read your Bible. I love my Bible. Just one second. I love my Bible. Thank you. This is where um, the youth kids sit, if you didn't know. (laughs) Or mostly youth leaders this morning. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Young people. Read your Bible. Get into the Word and, and discover new things about God just for you. Ask questions. Seek to know more of who He is, but take ownership of your own faith. A faith that is yours personally. Find your identity in God. Grow your faith, yeah? Be connected to who God is. And the second thing that I would want um, a young person in this phase to know this morning, that I want you to know this morning, wherever you're sitting, is uh, be a part of the tribe. Now, I say tribe, that's a bit cheeky because the um, youth ministry, we like to call ourselves the Ignite Tribe. So, like, I'm sort of saying come to youth, but I'm mostly saying make friends your own age who love Jesus. Be connected to other people who love Jesus. Be connected to people older than you who love Jesus, people younger than you who love Jesus. Be a part of the family of God. Be connected to the people. Sometimes um, your faith in God will make you seem different at school or make you seem different in other circles and spaces other than here. I want to tell you, you don't have to be different alone. You don't have to be different alone. Get connected, be a part of the tribe, stay connected to people who uh, want to encourage you and uplift you and empower you to be the best that you can be and encourage you in your relationship with God. Connect with people and go on the journey together. So take ownership and read your Bible, be a part of the, the tribe and the community. And the other thing I want to encourage you to do is be bold and share your story. Because even though you are young, there is no reason for anyone to look down on your faith. Because it is just as valuable to the body of Christ and just as valuable to God's mission on earth as anybody else's. As mine or Pastor Brad's or people who have loved Jesus their whole life. Your story is part of God's story and it is just as valuable. And so I would encourage you to share. Paul says to Timothy to teach, but I would say to you, share your story. Share your story because it is a part of God's story. Share it with your mum and dad. Share it with your youth leader. Share it with an adult you trust. And then be bold and share it with someone at school who doesn't love Jesus yet. You don't have to know all the answers to be able to talk about how God loves you with somebody. Get into your Bible and own your own faith. Stay connected to the tribe and the community of faith. And speak boldly and share about your own faith. That is what I would say to a young person in this phase this morning. Parents, anyone got children in this phase? It's a good time. I was thinking about this. Um, <clears throat> truly, I was thinking, what as a um, 27-year-old person with no teenage children of my own can I offer um, to parents in this space? And one, it's a lot of great stuff out of um, this book, Just a Phase. 
And one of the things I actually talk about in this book, Just a Face, is that you parents know your young people better than I ever will. You love them better than I ever will. Uh, and you believe the best for them in ways that probably I never will. The only thing that I have of value to add to this conversation is that you see them through an entire journey and I just see the same age group over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so whatever little things I can have gleaned from that experience of seeing your 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds over and over again, there's some things that are the same. And so um, mostly from just a phase and a little from my experience, I just want to encourage you, one, that you're doing a good job. <laughs> It's a tricky phase, but you were doing a good job. The first thing that I would encourage you uh, to continue in and, and do more of is this, is to connect the dots for them. So if they're young people in this phase are thinking like engineers, they're trying to put things together themselves. They're trying to understand um, how the world goes together, but also faith ideas, how they go together. Connecting and comprehending. They're starting to learn how their story is connected to God's story and how they fit into the family of God. They're learning how prayer works, that when you pray, it causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. They're learning um, even just like things like this that we sort of take for granted, like the Israelites came out of Egypt into the desert and then the promised land, and then at this age is around the first time that it's like, ah, that's all the same people. And it's a story that connects, like chronologically, that happened, they're connecting concepts and ideas and stories and things that they'd heard before in a way that they haven't before. And they're applying that in ways to their life that they had never before. And so uh, the encouragement uh, for parents who have young people in this phase is to help them connect those dots. Become a safe place for them to bring their questions because if you do this now, you're building relational influence that will gonna, is really going to help you when you hit phase four. So listen and help them and understand where they're journeying through and what they're thinking about. The, other, the next thing I would encourage you in, which if you are here with your young people this morning, you are already doing, is that let your young person see your faith. Let your young person see your faith. Not just your church attendance, but let them see you pray. Let them see you praise God when your prayers are answered. Let them see you worship in the good and the bad. Because young people in this phase and into phase four also need to see that faith has value in their life. Because if it doesn't add value to their life long term, there's no reason for them to cling to it. So let them see that it has value in your life. Let them see faith at work. Um, in Corinthians, it says, um, let me imitate, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Show them what a life-loving Jesus looks like. Show them what authentic faith looks like. Let them see the good and the bad. Share your experience of faith with them, which is really cast back to that Deuteronomy passage that says, uh, talk, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you sit around the table for dinner at home, when you're in the car on the way to school. Talk about these ideas. When you lie down and when you get up, pray with them, share your faith with them. Help them connect the dots and let them see your faith. And then be consistent. Louise showed us last week, and I'm going to show you again, is this little, she, she was like, it's a scientific diagram. I guess it is. It's as scientific as I am as well, Louise. So 
<coughs> but you, if you can see, across the top, it says um, the influence potential by hours per day. So when you have a baby, you just you get all the time in the world with them. And then as they get older, they go to school. And then as they get older, they get more and more independent. And you get less and less time with them. And uh, here you see uh, in, in phase three, which is right where we're talking about, is the cross-section of relational influence um, and positional influence. So for their life up until this point, you are the mum and dad and you say so. And that's just how it is. And around this space in their life, they're like, um, I don't know if you're the mum and dad and you just say so is a good enough reason, actually. And so um, there has to be an investment from parents into relational influence with their young people. Um, <clears throat> so being consistent is a great way to do that. In phase three, you are right in the midst of the change and it's okay. It's supposed to be happening. When your young person is a little defiant and they test the boundaries, it's okay. It's supposed to be happening because actually it's what positions them to be great young adults who um, have their own uh, morals and beliefs and uh, systems for processing and understanding. So in this space, invest in the relationship with them. Be consistent. Listen to them. Talk to them. Be there for them. Show up when you say you will. Watch their TikToks. If you don't know what a TikTok is, befriend a year seven and they will tell you and then they'll show you. Heck, if they want you to be in their TikTok, be in their TikTok. Show up and show them that your love for them is not just because you're their parent, but because you like them as a person, that you love them. Be there and be consistent. Connect the dots for them. Help them understand. Let your young person see your faith and be consistent in your love for them. All right, everybody else. And by everybody else, I mean everybody else, like all of us, like grandparents, um, <clears throat> aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, friends, anyone in the family of God. Here's the things I would say to you this morning about this phase and what this phase really needs. Pray for them. <laughs> Prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. And can I tell you, this generation, I don't know, I, I obviously have a big heart for them, but get on your knees for them. Cry out to God for them. They're living in a world that is so different to the world that even I grew up in, and I'm, I'm like 10 years ahead of them. It is changing all the time, and there is so much going on. So get on your knees and pray for this generation. The other thing is to know them. When Kim Smith was here, she told us that if um, a young person is known by name by five adults in their church, the chances of them staying in church into their adult life are just like hugely, 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 hugely different. Like, like I should have written it down. I didn't. But like massively different, like shockingly different, where I was like, is that actually all we need to do is know these young people? And then that, that should challenge us. I don't know about you, but I was like, I reckon I know five young people by name. And they was like, stop. Who else can I know by name? Who else can I... Who, who are they and what are they? And can I tell you, adults in the church, in my experience with the young people, they want to be known. They want to be known, I promise. They want to be known. They're just shy and awkward and going through all of this stuff, but they want you to approach them. They want you to talk to them. They want to be known by you. So don't feel like they don't. They absolutely do. So pray for them and know them and see them how God sees them. See them as made in the image of God. See them as precious, uh, fearfully, wonderfully made, and fearfully and wonderfully made, loved by God. See them that way, 
when they are grumpy. See them that way when they are moody. See them that way when you overhear them being sassy to their mum. See them that way when they want to verbally process with you for 35 minutes. See them that way when they want to show you their TikTok. TikTok is a good time. See them that way on the good days and the bad days. See them that way always because that is how God sees them. There's a lot happening in this season of their life. They just need you to see them how God sees them. And not, not for one day they'll be such a great leader. One day they'll be a really great, no, like right now, in the mess of it, they are a great person. Right now, in the mess of it, they are loved by God. Right now, in the mess of it, they are worthy to come into his presence. So just don't mind the mess for a bit. Just love them as they are. Okay, phase four. Phase four. This is probably my favorite phase. I was going to say before that like phase two is pretty fun, but I truly think like phase four is probably my favorite phase. And I think it's my favorite phase because it is such a special time um, as a youth leader, I find, where you see, you start to see the adult that they're going to be. You start seeing glimpses of the young adult that is going to come out of this young person. And you feel like you're just like getting to know a whole new person. It's just, it's awesome. It's a big phase. This is um, 14-year-olds right through to like 17, 18-year-olds. So like Lou said last week, phase one is big, but phase four is huge as well. Phase four starts off in year nine. Anyone got a year nine? If you have a child who's in year nine, if you've ever met a year nine, if you work in high school and you interact with year nines, there is something about year nine. Something about year nine. A teacher once told me, that they'd done some research that says if a year eight stopped going to school at the end of year eight and then went back to school at the start of year 10, academically, they would miss nothing. Because not much is like sinking in academically, but socially, it's exploding for them. So much is happening. So much is happening. A lot of changes just in that 12 months and it's this like strange year in the middle of your high school education. Young people, I'm on your team here for a second. Let, let me tell your parents and adults this. Um, your brain is still developing. The limbic system, which is responsible for risk-taking, is developing way faster than your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for your rationale and, and uh, conscious decision-making. That is why your young people in this phase are doing crazy things. That is why they want to ride skateboards and scooter, like that seems crazy to me, whatever else they want to do. This is why they take risks, because the risk-taking part of their brain is just like, whoa, and there is none of the clear thinking about that's probably dangerous happening. Uh, The other thing, young people, I'm on your team here, it's scientific, they struggle to fall asleep before 11 o'clock. It's true, it's science. You can hound them and make them put their phone down and turn off their light, and, but they are going to struggle to fall asleep before 11 o'clock. They have more access to information than any young people in any generation before them via the internet, which is literally in their pocket at all times. Young people in this phase are refining their friends and choosing electives and interests, so drama or sport or science. So they're finding a community of like-minded people. Young people in this phase gravitate to where they are most accepted. There's parties, 
and alcohol and times when making the right decision is the hardest thing to do. They will push for more freedom and in doing that, they're actually asking you for more trust. They still need boundaries, but unless you tell them why, they won't stick to them. Unless you explain why the boundary is that way, they won't stick to it. Like imagine if this was the boundary and I said, you can't go off there just because I said so. They absolutely would. If I said, you can't go off there because you, the floor is lava and you will get electrocuted or something, then they would absolutely not go off there. <laughs> the floor is lava. Uh, you have to, uh, if you're going to set boundaries, they're understanding, they're rationalising, they need you to tell them why the boundary is in place. Explain the boundaries. Uh, their hormones start to settle by around year 11 and they're finding their place and who they are. They're learning who they are. They're getting part-time jobs and learning to drive and maybe even dating. Parents take a deep breath. <clears throat> because I said so is no longer a legitimate reason for them to do or not do something. The question of what happens next in my life starts weighing very heavily on them and even the most put together, uh, got it all under control young people can really struggle uh, toward the end of year 12 with the pressure of who am I going to be outside of this space? Who am I going to be as a young adult? I don't know. And so they're thinking like philosophers, they're seeking to understand things that they can't see and they're asking the questions of where do I belong, why should I believe? Or why shouldn't I believe? Or why can't I believe? How can I matter and what will I do next? God has an answer to all of these questions. God has an answer to all of these questions. And our role as adults and parents and leaders and families in this phase is to help them discover. Help them discover, not tell them the answer. Help them discover. Young people, if you're in this phase, I want to tell you this as a big encouragement. Ask the difficult questions. Do it. Ask the tough questions. God is not afraid of your tough questions and seeking truth is good for your faith. You cannot ask a question that will freak out God. You can't. Faith is always required, but bottling up your big questions is not a way to deal with them. Dig into your Bible for answers, ask God in prayer, ask leaders, ask pastors, ask parents, ask adults that you trust. Be a truth seeker. It says, uh, the Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. All of it. So don't be afraid of tough questions. Love him with all your mind. And the the second thing that I would say to you is very similar to what I would say to the age group before you, and that is this, stay in community. Stay in community. I know that your friends are having parties that are more fun than youth on Friday. I know. I know that you can have more fun outside of here, but you will not find connection and love and acceptance like you can find in this space anywhere else. I can tell you truly from my own testimony and my own experience that there is power in proximity and there is power in community. Even on the bad days, show up. Be present. Come to church on the good ones and the bad ones and the days where you feel like you have let everybody down. 
Come to church regardless of how your Saturday night went. You might feel like a hypocrite or you've pushed the boundaries with God too far and he can't love you. Come and be in the house. Come and be present with people who love you and in the presence of God. Stay connected. Keep showing up and so will God. Be a tribe dweller. Ask big questions and stay connected to these people. Another thing I would tell you to do is serve. Like, Lauren, you're supposed to be encouraging me. No, I'm telling you, serve. (laughs) Get connected and serve. The Great Commission says, "Um, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even till the very end of the age. And, And then Corinthians says, Just... As a body, though one has many parts and all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body. And whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Many parts. It doesn't say uh, when you are mature enough, when you understand enough, when you know enough, then you can be a part of the, the body of Christ, then you can be a part of the serving force, then you can be a part of what God is doing in this world, then you can be part of them. It doesn't say any of that. It says you are a part of the body. You are a part of the body. There's no brackets, only if. There's none. You are a part of the body of Christ. And so if that is true, then there is no age limit set. You are a part of the body of Christ and you are a part of his mission in this earth. So please do not limit or exclude yourself from participating in that. Join a team in church. Join a ministry that shares faith with people. Start speaking about your faith with people who don't love Jesus yet because that is what God is calling all of us to do. What he's calling all of us to do. And so ask big questions. Stay in community and keep serving. Parents, gosh, pushing the time. It's okay, we'll get there. Parents, you now get to be introduced to the young adult that your young person is becoming. It's such an exciting time. Can I tell you and encourage you, don't be afraid of their big questions. Don't be afraid of their big questions because if they can't come to you to ask them, they will go somewhere else. And you you can hope that they've got great leaders, uh, youth leaders or other adults in their life. But if, then, if they don't feel like they can come to you with the tough questions, they'll go somewhere else. When they come to you with tough questions, ask them a question about their question. Ask a question about their question. The goal here is not to lecture them for 20 minutes about theological ideas. The goal here is to help them establish their own foundation of understanding. Ask questions about their question. They need to know why but they need to come to that conclusion themselves. They're going to be asking difficult questions, questions about sex before marriage, drinking at parties. If you're a Christian but you take your own life, do you still go to heaven? Uh, They're going to be asking difficult, difficult questions. What about my gay friends? Does God still love them? They'll find passages in the Bible that you swear you have never read before in your life and they'll be like, what's this about? Great question. Let them ask the big and difficult questions. Don't pretend like you have all the answers, but help them unpack and understand what it is that they're they're trying to understand. 
The role of an adult in this phase is not to motivate a young person to do what is right. The role of an adult in this phase is to influence the motives of a young person so they can discern what is right. Respect the process that they're going through. Don't dive in with the answer straight away. God isn't in the business of behaviour modification. And so if they come to you with a tough question and you just give them the answer, and that's it, don't talk about it again, then they've learned nothing. God is in the business of life transformation and heart transformation, not behaviour modification. It takes, I'm going to say another shun word, a deep revelation of their own, of who God is, is what we're trying uh, to encourage in young people in this phase so that they can discern what is right. They're establishing their moral foundation and emotional intelligence and your job is to help them. The other thing that you can do that is super helpful for them is to make it really practical. Young people in this phase, if it doesn't um, add to their life and it doesn't make sense for their life, they are busy. And so if it's not practical, it's not worth their time. So uh, if you're going to share an idea of faith with them or something uh, with them about God, it has to be hands-on and worthwhile for them. Create spaces and places where they can encounter the presence of God. They will not feel important unless you give them something important to do. Young people, we've already just discussed, are just as important in the body of Christ as any of us. So let's give them important jobs to do. They don't want to scrub toilets on a cleaning team because we all know none of us want to do that. We do, though. It's probably good for our character. But they don't want to just do that. They want to feel like they're an important part of the body and of the team. So make it practical for them and give them spaces to do that. And again, let them see what faith looks like. I'm not going to hash this hard again, but they need to see your faith in action. They need to see you pray, like really pray, on your knees really pray. Let them see you read your Bible and let them see you prioritise Jesus. For all of us, aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends, sisters, brothers, the body of Christ, we need to accept their mistakes. They're going to happen. And love them regardless. They are going to get it wrong. Probably really wrong. If there is a phase in a young person's life where it's going to be messy, this is it. Tell them that you love them in the midst of the mess. Tell them. I say tell them because if you don't tell a young person, they will be assuming that you are cross with them. If you don't tell a young person that you love them and that you support them, they'll be assuming that you judge them and and that you think they're a hypocrite and a jerk and that you shouldn't be here. You need to tell them on purpose. Tell them in the midst of their sin. Tell them by continuing in fellowship with them even when their heart changing isn't matching up with their outward behaviour yet. Tell them by welcoming them warmly regardless of the colour of their hair, the way they're dressed or what they did last night or if they got a new nose piercing or a tattoo or whatever. Love them regardless. And the other thing I would say is make space for them on teams in our church. Make room for them. If their parents are like campaigning hard or their youth leaders are campaigning hard to get them to join a team and engage in church life and then they get to a team and none of the more mature members of the team speak to them, it affirms for them that there is no place for them here. They gravitate to where they feel most accepted. So if a young person comes and wants to join your team, make space for them. Be excited that they are there. Because if they're a part of a team and they want to serve, then God is doing a work in their heart. They want to be a part of this community. They're trying to stay connected, so make space for that. Embrace them. 
as a helpful and vital part of the body. All right. It's a lot of information. And we're not even scratching the surface of the information that is in this book. Like, it's great. There's also great resources out on the table. And I was looking, and there's still quite a few there. And I was hoping that we would have to print more. I was hoping that everyone would go out there and be like, I know a baby, and I know a one-year-old, and I know a 17-year-old, and an 18-year-old, and a 15-year-old, and a 14 and just take them. If, you, if there is young people in your world, take one of those flyers, learn about them, know them, see who they are. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. If you are in phase three or four, if you're a young person who is 11 to 18, if you are in th- phase three or four, can you come and stand with me? Lucas, I'll start calling you out. I can see you. I'm not going to make you say anything or do anything. You just have to stand here. Do it. Be brave. Look at him. Yes. Lexi. Yes. Amazing. You can hop on the stage if you want. I don't make you stand on the floor. Yes. This is just a fraction of the young people who are in our church community. I just want you to know. Just a fraction. What we're going to do, if, uh, if, these are your, if these young people belong to you, I'd like you to stand. Or if you have young people in this age group, I'd like you to stand. We're going to pray, but I just want to be able to see. I want to be able to see. And everybody else, perhaps uh, we can reach out our hands or whatever you'd like to do, but we're going to pray for these uh, young people and uh, their parents. God, we just thank you so much. We thank you that uh, these young people have a role in your, uh, in your body. God, that they are valuable parts of this community. God, and we just pray that um, you would uh, reveal more of your love to them each day. God, that they would see more of who you are and that they would grow to love you more and more. Um, God, that they would stay connected to this community, that they would be um, surrounded by people who love them and love Jesus. And God, that uh, they would know that you have a plan and a purpose for their life, and that uh, as they follow you, you will make a way. God, give them the boldness to share about their faith and to see others come to know you. God, we just thank you that uh, we are not a community who looks down on them because they are young. But God, we want to uh, lift them up and empower them. And for their parents, God, we just ask that you would give them uh, the wisdom to know what to do. God, that you would give them uh, grace for the bad days. God, that uh, you would help them and reveal to them uh, who these young people are. God, that they would see these young people how you see them. God, as a community, I just pray that we would support and love these families as they uh, navigate these difficult phases. We just thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. The band, amazing. So good. All right, the band's going to get up and I'm going to get down. But first, I just want to share a little thought with you. The band, yeah, yeah, yeah. While you do that, I'll share a thought with you. One of my favourite scriptures uh, is in Galatians 6, 9, and it says this. Let us not become weary of doing good. For in the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. What you do every day matters. Sometimes in the day-to-day of, I mean, I'm not a parent, but sometimes in the day-to-day of youth ministry, it seems like, is what we're doing making a difference? 
Is what we're speaking about doing anything? Are we seeing any fruit from this? Can I encourage us all that what we do every day in the life of a young person matters? The routine and the consistency in every phase, routine and consistency matters. At every stage, at every age, for every young person, it is just a phase. Don't miss it. Because as we sow into their lives, as we sow goodness into their lives, as we sow love into their lives, if we speak Jesus over their lives, eventually, because of God's goodness, we will see fruit. This crazy thing happens uh, when you've been in youth ministry long enough, and I have now been in youth ministry long enough to experience this, is that you see a young person enter your ministry in grade six. And then you're with them in year seven when they transition into high school. And then you see them with their first boyfriend in year eight. And then you see them in year nine just go crazy. And then you see them in year 10 realize that year 11 is coming. And then in year 11, you see them go through the angry phase because year 11s are angry. And then in year 12, you see them struggling with the... And then if you hang around long enough, you see them become the young adult that God is calling them to be. You see them become who God is calling them to be. And so in youth ministry, I have to wait seven years, but parents, you're going to get to experience this one, two, three, four, five times, how many children you want to have. After seven years of consistency, after seven years of sowing it, there will be wins along the way. Don't get me wrong. There will be moments of like, aha, uh-huh, and fruit and wow and amazing and we're seeing a harvest. But at the end of phase one and two and three and four, when you come to the end of it and you see a young person step into the life that God is calling them into and step into their own faith and step boldly into what God is calling them to, mm, that is a harvest that makes it worth it, I would say. 18 years of consistency and love and sharing Jesus to see a young person become a well-rounded, capable lover of Jesus. And it might not seem like it now if you're right in the midst of it, but the things you do each day make a difference. The things you are doing now are making a difference. We're just going to stand I'm going to pray for us all and we're going to sing. God, I thank you that in the little things you are at work. God, I thank you that if we trust you and we don't grow weary in doing good, we will see a harvest. And so God, we lift up the young people here this morning, but also the young people on our hearts who are not in church this morning and we just declare your goodness over their life also. God, help us to be the kind of adults who value our young people for the phase that they are in. Help us to be consistent. God, help us to reveal your love to them. Help us to not grow weary. And God, we will celebrate when we see the harvest. God, we give you glory for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of our young people. We know that young people are the future, but also the present. 
So God, we just thank you for all that you are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.